lots and lots of memories of Calvary going way, way back. Uh, I have a lot of connections here. Uh, my aunt and uncle, uh, Brigette and Clay and Nelson, were members here for many, many years. I know my father preached here a number of times. I also uh, was in college with uh, Glenn and Suzanne Harless. Uh, we were in college way back before they were married and whatever together. Uh, also, uh, Dave and Kathy Wold, uh, good friends of, uh, of mine, and I know there's been a lot of connections with uh, people. Uh, I've talked to a few people today where I've served out in southwest Minnesota. I know when I was at Shepherd of the Hills in Shoreview, there's people with connections. So Calvary, uh, we're all connected, I guess, in this, uh, in this uh, thing called the church. It's amazing how we have a lot of connections together. Um, when Zachary talked to me about uh, preaching on something that was a favorite or, you know, what are your messages that uh, stands out or whatever else, uh, right away I thought about my, my father. I always used to say that, uh, you know, every pastor, every pastor has at least one good message. Really? You know, one good message. So you better make sure you're in church every Sunday because you might miss it. Now, I know uh, I could tell lots of stories today, uh, and I'm going to spare you lots of stories, but I, I thought I needed to tell stories uh, about uh, Zachary, about a uh, little, you know, something that, that stands out. When he was about three years old, uh, I was serving uh, my first church, uh, my first parish right out of the seminary, a little town of Maynard, Minnesota. I mean, any of you know where Maynard is? At, uh, out by... Granite Falls, and Montevideo. I had a church in town and a church right out in the country. And uh, the church in the country, the Vong Lutheran Church, the Wang Lutheran Church, with its roots back to, uh, to uh, Valdres, Norway, which is kind of our roots. Um, and so I'm serving out in this little church, and uh, what I would do back then is I would often get up and uh, go up to the church on a Saturday night to the town church, and I would actually get up into the pulpit and I would practice my sermon for the next, next day. And so one time uh, we were talking to Zachary, he was about three years old, and said, uh, would you like to go up with me tonight while I practice my sermon this evening? And uh, you're going to have to sit real quietly, you're going to have to be real quiet if you're going to do that, but would you like to go with? Well, he got all excited and he said, I'm going to go up to church with my daddy and, and I'm going to sit real quietly in the stink. I'm going to sit in the stink real quietly. Well, Kim and I were trying to figure out now what in the world is he talking about. So we tried to prompt him with, you know, what do you mean by this? And are you, know, are you doing that? And then it dawned on us, the word pew. When we would change his diaper, we would often say, P-U does that stink. <laughs> well, kids certainly say some amazing things, don't they? Now, something that I'm sure many of you know is that one of the most talked about and one of the most remembered people in, base in the baseball legend was a man named Babe Ruth. For devoted baseball fans, there is literally magic in that name. In his 22 big league seasons, he hit 714 home runs, and he finished his career with a lifetime batting average of 342. He began his career as a pitcher, and he's remembered for pitching 29 and two-thirds scoreless innings 
for the Boston Red Sox in World Series play uh, games. But with all of these tremendous statistics, it is seldom mentioned that Babe Ruth also struck out 1,330 times. Now, 1,330 times is not the record. Another great, great baseball legend, Reggie Jackson, holds that record with 2,597. And even the great Mickey Mantle had 1,710 strikeouts in his career. So the fact that the Babe Ruth, this great Babe Ruth, went down swinging 1,330 times is a very significant statistic. But why is that so significant? Because to a chronic bungler like myself, to someone who has struck out in life a number of times, who has made mistakes in my life or whatever else, to someone who knows what it is to fail from time to time, it is very comforting to know that even Babe Ruth, one of the greatest home run hitters in the history of sport, fanned the breeze 1,330 times. That even Babe Ruth knew how to fail. And I believe that that's very significant because I believe one of the things that we learn from the Bible and we learn from Jesus is that Jesus was also one who was concerned about his disciples. He was concerned about them and the failures they might have. And Jesus was so concerned about that, he even spoke to his disciples about it. In Luke's gospel, Jesus sends his disciples out into the world with some very specific instructions. You have it on your, in your uh, folder, but we also are going to have it, I think, up here on the screen from Luke chapter 10. So Jesus told them, he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter that town and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. Jesus says when you enter a town and you're not welcomed, when you go out and you engage in ministry with people and you fail, when you go out and engage in ministry with people and you, you blow it, when you go out and, and they're not listening to you, they don't listen to what you're trying to say or what you're trying to do, when they push you out of towns, which happened with many times with them, when that happens, Jesus says, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you as a protest to you. What Jesus was saying was that he was trying to protect his disciples, protect his disciples in advance from worrying about their failures. Jesus knew that they would be anxious, that they would be anxious when they struck out. They would be anxious when they did not have success. So even before they went to the plate for the first time by themselves, he said, don't fret over your failures. You're certainly going to have them. You're going to have a lot of failures in your life. But Jesus said, just keep on keeping on. 
Now, to me, that is a beautifully freeing word because I know what it's like to have times of failure, times of failure in life, times of failure in ministry. I think it's good to know that Jesus anticipates our failures, yours and mine. Jesus expects my failures. And he knows that not everybody's going to be excited all the time about the message and the mission of Christ that we are a part of. He's not, people are not going to always be excited about that. They're not always going to be excited about the way that maybe a pastor or other people in a church or whatever does their ministry. They're not always excited about those things. Yet through his love and forgiveness, Jesus has already issued instructions on what to do after the third strike. Now, once the Yankees crushed the Cardinals in four straight games in world championship play, the year was 1928. Babe Ruth had been the star of that series, hitting three home runs in the final game alone. The Yankees were on their way back to New York City, and along the route, thousands of people turned out to cheer the champions. Well, about 2 a.m. one morning, they paused to change engines in a small town in Illinois. And the usual crowd was on hand with cheers, we want Babe, we want Babe. Well, he came to the observation deck of the train, dressed in his pajamas, and he waved his big hairy hand to the crowds, and people went wild. Then Babe called for three cheers for the Yankees, and everybody obeyed. Then he called for three cheers for Al Smith, who was campaigning for the presidency of the United States at that time, and again, the crowd obeyed. Well, then someone called out and said, how about three cheers for the Cardinals, the team that they had just defeated? And the babe obliged by saying, yeah, let's, let's give them three cheers. But then all of a sudden, he changed his mind. He changed his mind, and he, he waved his hand, and he said, wait, 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 he said. When they got silent, he said, no, they quit. No, they quit. There was no shame in striking out. He did that himself 1,330 times. The only shame was if you really never went to the plate again. And I need to remember that too. It helps me in my life when I recall that Jesus and his disciples also had times of failure. Jesus went into some towns and they ran them out on a rail. The disciples went in and things didn't always go the way that they wanted it to. And Paul and Barnabas failed many times. And that all people, every single person, even baseball heroes and baseball legends, fail. In fact, I think we need to be very skeptical today. Very skeptical today of any person, whether it be a politician, an athlete, a business person, uh, a pastor, a parent, or whoever, who says, I never fail. Somebody who says, well, I never make any mistakes in life. Or the people that sometimes say, I don't need to say I'm sorry. I don't need to ever ask for forgiveness for anything because I never do anything wrong. In fact, Jesus even talked about that. We talk about it in our confession, which you heard a little earlier. But in 1 John 1, 8, uh, Jesus said these words. If we claim to be without sin, if we claim that we don't fail, I, I never make any mistakes. I never have to, have to ask anybody for forgiveness for anything. If we claim 
to do that, we, what, deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So somebody you talk to, somebody you know, somebody you hear on television or whatever says, I've got it all together, the truth can't be in us. The reality is we all fail, we all make mistakes. Truth is that failure comes as no surprise to God. He knows that we are by nature sinful and unclean. But the important thing for us is to recognize that and realize we need to rely on Jesus every day and then to stand in there in life no matter what failures we might have, ready for our next time at the plate. Now it's easy, however, to allow this fear of failure, which we all share, to cause us sometimes to give up, to cause us sometimes to be afraid of really venturing out in faith. And that seems to be a reason why many people today are kind of reluctant. They're, they're reluctant to get involved in, in uh, projects or initiatives where there's any risk of controversy or any risk of failure involved. There are a lot of people today who say, I don't, I, I'm not going to be the head of anything anymore. I don't want to head anything. I want to I kind of remain neutral, and, and I'll let somebody else stick their neck out. You know, I'll let, I'll let somebody else do it. Let, let somebody else take care of those things. So then if that person fails, then what, we can, what can we do? We can conveniently blame that other person. Or what a lot of people do today is, I don't want to get in, you know, but then when that person does it, I told you so. I knew that was going to, you know, I knew that that would be a problem and whatever else. It, it's become a real problem in our world today. So I think we need to really thank God today. Thank God for all those people throughout the history of our world and thank God for all those people throughout the history of Christ's church who have been willing to take risks. Those people who have been willing to stick their necks out. Because in the church of Jesus Christ, most church buildings such as this one, and what a magnificent uh, facility this is here, but most church buildings like this one would have never, ever been built. Most mission work and new ministries would have never, ever been started. And most vision and mission focuses for the future, like you have here at Calvary, those vision focuses that we put together, most of those things would have never happened if it hadn't been for pastors and leaders and people in a congregation who were willing to venture out by their faith in Jesus Christ. And for those leaders, for those people, who even when it didn't always go the way that they wanted it to go, or even when they sometimes ventured out in faith and maybe there was criticism from some people or whatever else, who even when they had those times, kept on keeping on for the sake of Jesus Christ and for the sake of reaching this world for Jesus. And that's our call, isn't it? To reach this world for Jesus. And so there needs to be those people who say, this is what we need to do and where we need to go. And we need to keep on keeping on. The great Christian leader and educator Henrietta Mears used to say, failure is not a sin. Faithlessness is. In other words, it is not a sin to venture out in faith and fail for the sake of Jesus Christ. Yet it is a sin not to try. 
In fact, that's part of our confession, isn't it? In the hymnal, the confession that says, uh, we, we, we ask for forgiveness for the things that we have left undone, right? Isn't that part of the confessional? You know, I've often talked to people about that, where people, I've talked to somebody, people through the years, and they've said, well, I haven't done anything wrong, Pastor. You know, I didn't, I didn't do that. I didn't get involved in that. I haven't, I haven't done those terrible things or whatever else. And you say, well, what have you done? What have you done? What have you tried to do? Have you stepped out in faith in Jesus Christ? Well, I haven't done anything wrong. No, but we confess those things that we have left done, undone. And I think all of us can look at our lives and say, there's a lot of things we've left undone of trying to, again, bring the gospel and the love of Jesus to others. It is a sin to quit and not do anything. Or as Babe Ruth showed, there is no shame in striking out. The only shame is in not going to the plate again. I think it was the great evangelist Dwight Moody, who he was criticized for a lot of things in his ministry and in his life. He was often, uh, things were written about him in the newspapers and whatever else. And, and one time he said, you know, I, I don't like everything about my ministry. I don't like everything that I do. I know I, I don't do things always perfect or always well and whatever else. But then he made this statement. He said, but I like the way that I do things better than your way of not doing things. I went to a John Maxwell conference so many years ago, and I understand that you've actually had John Maxwell come here and help with uh, some things. I, I love John Maxwell and his leadership and uh, the things that he has done through the years. Well, the conference I went to many years ago was, was kind of based on a book that he had just written back at that time. And it's a book I've had on my shelf for many years. And the, the title of the book is Failing Forward. Failing Forward. John Maxwell says that failure is actually a good thing in each one of our lives. As long as we fail forward. As long as we learn from our miscues and learn lessons from those things. As long as we are then open maybe to some new ideas and new possibilities. As we learn from maybe some corrections in our lives. Or when we learn from the wisdom of somebody else. That is a sign of strength. And you know the Apostle Paul also talked about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect when you go through times of failure. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, about my failures, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I've talked to so many people over the years, business people and other people, and and some of them have done really, really well in life. And it's amazing how when you talk to them, they like to talk about the times that the company didn't work, the times that they were right on the rink, brink of, of bankruptcy, the time whenever else, because it was those times that helped lead them to be able to be a better business person, to be a better person in life or whatever it might be. It is a good thing, and it can be a good thing, to learn from our mistakes. I had an executive coach for about 10 years when I was senior pastor of Shepherd of the Hills in Shoreview, and, and uh, he was from the Alban Institute. And we would talk about once a month uh, for about an hour or so. And uh, 
he was one who had written books and, and studied churches and whatever and organizations and whatever. And he said, you know, he said it's only when a, when a business, it's only when a church, it's only when, a, when an individual goes through a crisis in their life. It's only when they, they maybe things just don't go well or maybe they've failed in something. He said it's only then, it's only at those times that they are able to change in positive ways. For a lot of times, businesses or people or whatever, we're kind of going along and everything's kind of okay and yet maybe we're on kind of on a downward slide, but there's no reason to change. And there's a lot of churches today, all over the country today, that kind of, well, I like it the way that it's always been and I kind of like this and whatever else, but there's no major crisis and, and a lot of churches are declining. They're losing hundreds of members. I talk to pastors and, and people all the time and they're just losing like crazy it's only sometimes when we hit a crisis time, a crossroad, that we say, well, maybe we need to look at some changes. Maybe we need to look at some changes in how we do things. Maybe we need to do something brand new. Maybe we, the way that we've always done it is not the best way. And it's the same way for me in my life. It's, it's when we've kind of gone through those things. It's maybe, maybe I need to look at some new opportunities, some new ways of, of doing things. It is only at those times that we often are willing to change and look at new opportunities. Because at those times, it leads us to some humility. It leads us to a time where we say, I really need some help. Maybe I need to consult with somebody else to help me. And it's only at those times when we say, you know, let's look at a whole new way of doing something because maybe God is calling us to look at something brand new. Now, Charlie Brown in his Peanuts cartoons, and I was here a few weeks ago, and, uh, and Zachary stole that story that I, I was going to use, uh, but he, uh, so uh, we do steal stories back and forth. But I, so I, I, I had another one, but, but I think this captures the feelings of failure and, or being inadequate. Uh, you all know about Lucy, right? Uh, Lucy always had great advice for Charlie Brown, and so Lucy, of course, has her little booth set up, and it says, uh, advice, five cents, or whatever. And, uh, and Lucy had a way of, of, of telling it like it is. So, so Lucy says to Charlie, you, Charlie Brown, are a foul ball in the line drive of life. You're in the shadow of your own goalposts. You are a miscue. You have a dropped rod and reel in the lake of life. You are a missed free throw, a shanked nine iron, a called third strike. Do you understand, Charlie Brown? Have I made myself perfectly clear? Well, for any of us who have experienced maybe some times of failure in our lives, or maybe we've had certain individuals in our life who have been our Lucys, who have maybe told us those kinds of things, Jesus says, shake the dust off. Shake the dust off your feet and move on. That is why I came, Jesus said. I came to a sinful world. I came to people who failed. I came so that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. The Apostle Paul understood this so well too. He said in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, he says, forgetting what lies behind. We have all of those things that you know we haven't done right or whatever else, so we're going to forget about what lies behind and we're going to strain forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 
Jesus is calling his disciples, you and me, to forget our failures and to press on every day. Press on for the sake of Jesus Christ. Press on for the good news of Jesus. My father always said, and many of you maybe knew him, uh, an evangelist, he was always concerned, uh, Zachary's grandpa, and he always said, we are losing so many people. People are not hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. He said we need to do everything we can. Everything we can. And he often talked to, to I remember into his 80s, he was 84 years old, and I heard him preach, and, and uh, preached to an, a lot of older people. Now I'm getting to be an older person, and he said, Whatever you do, don't stand in the way of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be people who are supporting the ministry, who are supporting the mission, who are doing whatever you can, because if we're not supporting the mission, we're going to continue to lose people for Jesus Christ. That's a challenge, I know, for me as, a, as I'm getting older and for all of us to say, how can we help make sure that the message of Jesus is brought to a hurting world because he is still the hope for our world today. So the message of the gospel, the message of the gospel is that you are championship material. Maybe you don't think so, but you are championship material. God loves you, and Jesus died for you, each and every one of you. So shake the dust off your feet. You are a potential home run hitter. Believe it. You are a real find. You are the joy in someone's heart. You are a jewel, unique and priceless. I don't care how you feel today. Believe this truth. It's kind of like that young child, that young girl, who gave one of those great theological uh, ideas or statements. You know, a lot of times we, we look for these highfalutin theologians, but sometimes it's, it's right there with some little child. And she said this great statement. She said, God don't make no junk. God don't make no junk. And God, my friend, made, and he is in the process of making you. Would you please pray with me? Loving God, we know as we go through life that there are many times we maybe failed, there's times we made mistakes, there's times maybe we've messed things up in our lives or whatever it might be. But we thank you that you taught your disciples and you teach us today that you don't want us to sit and wallow in whatever we've done, but to shake the dust off our feet and move on for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, your blessing upon each and every person here today. We know everyone has different situations in their lives People are going through challenges, hurts, and pain, or whatever it might be. We pray, Lord, that your love would be there for each and every one. And we pray, Lord, for the mission and ministry of Calvary Lutheran Church. What a great history this congregation has always had. May Calvary be a place that is always focused mostly on how to reach new people, how to reach out into the community, how to bring the love of Jesus to a generation of people that most churches are losing today. Help us, Lord, to have a passion to say, how can we help? How can we help make this place a really dynamic church that continues to reach out in mission and in love to one another? And we pray, Lord, your blessing upon each and every one of us as we're entering into this fall year. We pray, Lord, for all of the teachers, all of the students, 
all of the people who will be going back to school, all of those who are involved in education today and whatever. We thank you for all of our kids. We thank you for the youth. We thank you for those people who are so precious. We pray, Lord, that you would just bless this new year in the school systems and you would bless the, the new year here at Calvary as people will be coming back for, for different educational opportunities and kids will be involved and whatever else. We love kids. We know you love kids. And we just pray, Lord, that you would just continue to support that mission also in our church and in our community and in our schools and in our country. Again, we thank you, Lord, for being a, love, a God who loves us so much that you sent Jesus to die on a cross, that we might have life now and that we might have that hope and assurance of the life to come. Lord, thank you for your love. And we pray all this in the prayer that you have taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.